Okay, back at it another week. This week, the market is still acting a little bit crazy, right? But we do have some cool things to talk about, including the next big thing in NFT world and what we think is going on over the next six to 12 months. Pariso, let's kick it off. What do you think of go what's going on right now with the uh, market? And let's dive right into it. We haven't like bottomed out yet. This is not the worst, but it's bad. Um, we're seeing liquidations like 3AC going down. Um, and I honestly think well, as we see these companies go down, it's a good thing. It's healthy for the market. We're washing out bad actors. We're washing out risky players that don't know what they're doing with their assets um, that a retail investor can't rely on. I think it's good for the retail investor. I mean, like we're experiencing major, major uh dumps and we're losing a lot of money but it's so that we can make more later in value-based entities so like tether for example hedge funds are targeting tether right now they're shorting tether because they believe it's going to tank so tether is a stable coin it has a hybrid peg so it's somewhat algorithmic but it also has asset backing so some paper loans we don't know what they are exactly, some dollar backing, but again, they're not audited. We don't know exactly what they're backed by, which is why hedge funds are targeting Tether because they think they're going to go down. However, Tether has been holding up. They've been able to do their redemptions up to $6 billion right now, I think, one-to-one, -one, um, which is a good sign. That means they are up for this challenge, but we have to see where it goes. Is Tether going to tank? Is Tether going to ride out the wave? We don't know yet. Either way, it's good for the market because it'll take out a bad player or prove the value of this player. So Tether, one of the biggest stable coins in the crypto market. Imagine something as stable or as big as Tether, which I think was at its max like $84 billion. So almost the size of Luna, if not like four times more. It has the third largest market cap in the crypto market. If that goes away, the crypto market is literally done. One thing to definitely keep an eye on is obviously what's been going on since the DPEG of Luna, which I don't think, I don't know if you noticed, but since the DPEG of Luna, obviously Tether has had a lot of money outflow from it, right? Going straight into pretty much its direct competitor, USDC. So over the last, I think two and a half months, we've seen Tether drop about 19% in market cap. And then USDC claiming 5% of that market cap, obviously going up. But at the same time, it's safe to say that crypto has been losing a lot of money as well as a space. So it's not all obviously tether. I think a lot of people are just getting ready to make sure they have more cash than anything else as we expect this recession or this market condition to keep getting worse. Right. But the difference is with Terra, that was an algorithmic coin. So that's a lot easier to depeg than uh, than Tether, which has a hybrid model. Um, and I think even though Tether is not audited, we don't know exactly what its backing is. It's still more sound than Terra Luna. All seen, obviously, the savior of crypto right now, uh, CEO of FTX, Sam Bingman Friedman, talking about obviously how a lot of exchanges are already at the insolvent phase. Like there's a lot of exchanges that are pretty much barely covering or barely alive and hanging on by a thread with what's going on in the market. 
one thing that is pretty surprising to me is how FTX is kind of leading the charge and scooping up these uh, deteriorated assets um, in terms of exchanges. Like, again, they bailed out BlockFi, right? One of the biggest crypto uh, lenders, right? They bailed out Voyager, another exchange as well that paid out crazy interest rates that I was even taking advantage of at some point. And they still have a lot of room to grow. Uh, obviously, in terms of the spending that they have, because I'm pretty sure, like, if need be, um, <laughs> they might be able to even hold the support level that we need to hold as as a market as a whole. So it's pretty good to see, obviously, what they're doing. But it's also pretty interesting to see that what could it actually lead us to in terms of having somebody with that much power in a decentralized space, right? So, and reminds you, FTX is only like a year and a half, two years old, where they really started blowing up right now. Yeah, what FTX is doing is reminding me a lot of Amazon. Of course, it's different intrinsically, but what Amazon did and how it became successful is it would look at its competitors and then undercut their prices to capture that market share. And eventually, once you have the customer in and they're used to using Amazon now instead of their local store or wherever they were going for that product, then you start incrementally raising your prices and you know increasing your profit margins. I think that's FTX is doing a similar model where they're starting to put their fingers in different pots of the pie. They're trying to take on more market share. I saw yesterday FTX is looking to do a merger with Robinhood and acquire them. I don't know if that's fake true, news, but I fake thought, news for sure. You think? Yeah, fake news. Because the CEO, Sam, actually just did an interview with Forbes saying uh, they never talked about that. They said they're more working on a partnership. I think they hold about 7% stake in Robinhood already, but that was all the way back in like April or March that they had bought it in, but they definitely don't plan on <laughs> buying Robinhood, at least. That's what they said right now. Who knows? Okay. All right. One good thing that he did say on that interview, and you should probably watch it, it's an interview he did with Forbes. Um, he said that he doesn't think Tether's going to go anywhere. Uh, in this crypto winter, especially that they hold, obviously, a lot of that. Like, if you take a look at the Tether Ether scan right now, the top 10 holders are all exchanges. So, like, Binance has, like, $6 billion. FTX, KuCoin. So, I find it really hard for Tether to lose its DPEG unless one of those exchanges decides to do something unconscious or goes bankrupt, right? And they have to default on their own shit. Hence, obviously, they would have to cash that Tether into actual us right i mean what's interesting here is that like if you do a sports bet and you bet that a team is going to lose that bet is not going to affect if that team actually loses or not in this case when you have a bunch of hedge funds shorting tether that is going to affect the performance of tether so that's the main difference that you need to pay attention to is the market manipulation like these hedge funds have insane power to manipulate the markets and i wouldn't underestimate that yeah, I definitely agree with that. But again, one comforting point for me is when, like, if you, uh, let me see which article was it that I had here. Essentially, though, when these hedge funds are obviously shorting this money, somebody has to deliver that order, right? And whoever is taking that money, obviously, to accept the short has to have some type of confidence or at least strategy in order to win that money. Right. Because your idea as a bookie, right, if you are gambling is to what? take the customer's money on whether they think it's going up or down. So I think as long as 
in theory, as long as the person who's accepting these orders, that tether is going to lose its value, has a strategy to maintain the tether value itself, which is again, Asian corporations that are accepting these orders, let's say Binance, for example, then we should be in a really good place. And I think it's gonna be really, really hard for tether to lose its value just because it's such a big stable coin in the crypto space. And that would not only hurt people, but it would hurt some of the biggest exchanges that hold a lot of Tether. That again, if you go to the Etherscan, it's all public information. Like these companies and corporations hold billions of dollars worth, uh, worth of Tether. So uh, I don't see it being <laughs> depegged, but I do obviously uh, suggest to just be careful. Uh, at this point of my life, I'm comfortable saying cash is king. <laughs> Agreed. I agree. Um, okay. So you mentioned Binance. There's a big headline there with Binance. You know, obviously last week um, they had the SEC do an investigation on them. Not so great. You saw their BNB coin go down as a result of that news. But we have some great news this week. Binance is still going strong and now they're partnering with Cristiano Ronaldo to do an NFT project. And I think that is wonderful for the space. Um, I think it's going to open up people's eyes to the power of what NFTs can do and what they should be doing, which is tapping into markets that already exist, not trying to create new ones based off of a monkey or a penguin. I mean, that works, but there's so much more potential there. You don't need to create a market when there already is a market that exists. For example, Cristiano Ronaldo is the most well-known soccer player in the world. They're tapping into his market by using NFTs and they're bringing value to his fans. I think that's incredible. Yeah. So here's my thing with Binance opening a new marketplace, right? There's pros and there's cons. The pros is obviously there's money to be made for the exchange. That's why they're doing it, obviously, as an exchange. Another one is obviously uh, mainstream, right? Bringing on the Ronaldo fan base that I think is like 100 million followers on social media to obviously allow them to get exposed to the opportunity of buying nfts the cons is a lot of those people may be new and with every new marketplace there's new problems meaning if we take a look at nft history as a whole right we know that with every new marketplace that happens or every new meta that happens what comes rug pulls scams and new ways for people to lose money so when I take a look at Binance doing something like this, okay, it's obviously an underserved uh, opportunity, right, for them to be like, hey, we already have millions of users, so why not expose them to NFTs on our platform? But at the same time, it's also a brand new opportunity for people with non-ethical reasons, obviously, or motivations to come into the marketplace and say, hey, this guy is brand new here. They have no clue what they're doing, so let's go ahead and sell them junk. And that's what I'm afraid of, obviously, is going to happen. And I think that's one of the main reasons why NFTs haven't really prospered the way we want them to is because there's so many big players trying to get in at the same time. And they're all using different ways, chains, currencies to do that. Yeah, I agree. With new technology comes bad actors. That's just natural. But I think what's different about this is do you think Binance and specifically Cristiano Ronaldo is going to let their reputation tarnish because of this? No. Like when you invest in an NFT project, you're investing in the founders and you're believing in what they can bring, what value they can bring. And 
what money they can bring into your pockets. I think Cristiano Ronaldo will not let his project specifically fail. Um, if he did, like you said, that's a hundred million people that are disappointed. Yeah, for sure. Okay, here's my thing with celebrity NFTs right now, right? I have yet to seen one celebrity NFT project that actually delivers and meets the hype of that celebrity, right? We've seen the Floyd Mayweather. That didn't go well, right? He's launched multiple ones. We've seen the Logan Paul ones even. That didn't go well as either, right? Uh, we've seen, what else? Like some very well-known celebrities launch NFT projects or back specific NFT projects. But then again, again, they never actually deliver. And it may not be the celebrity's problem, right? Because at the end of the day, that celebrity is just a product that's being used to deliver another product. But that's why I'm very against anything related to celebrity NFTs, just because nothing has been proven yet. And I'd rather wait and sit on the sideline to see something actually happen before I do so. Is there a pattern or a common failure that you've seen across the board with these celebrity NFTs? I think it's unclarity, right? If you take a look at a lot of these projects in general, like a lot of NFT projects right now lack clarity, right? They lack clarity on the actual product they want to deliver. And they also lack clarity on what they want to do as a project slash company. So it's very hard for not only the founders to deliver something in a space that's moving every day. And it's also harder for the consumer to stick around for something when they see more shiny object syndrome, right? project somewhere else it's like oh this is so cool like they're giving away free airdrops today or this month right i'm gonna get free money and then next month is like oh instead of free airdrops you can actually get physical items or you can stake for something so shiny object syndromes comes boom hops on to the next one right so that's what i've seen so far and what i think is going to continue happening until some type of new meta occurs with nfts and a utility or reason, right? Not even utility, just a reason for people to be like, oh, I like this and I want to stick with this for a while compared to jumping around from one brand to another. Yeah, I think an example of that, like a project that had so much potential to create a new meta um, is the Not Okay Bears Solana project. I know they got delisted for copyright issues, but I think if you take the idea of the purpose of that project, it was about mental health awareness, right? So you have a community of people who are investing into a mental health awareness resource community. What they could have done with that project is maybe partnered with um, one of those online like therapy services. Like if you buy this NFT, you have access to this therapy service or our discord group is a support group for mental health, like stuff like that. You have to tap into the interest of why people are going into that NFT and then spread your spread your market share like you need to collaborate with thought leaders specific to that community or celebrities or just brands that can bring more value to what you're doing with that project like i know pudgy penguins has collabed with north face that makes perfect Where they did? sense um i know I, when mm -hmm. or they're working <laughs> on it where did you I don't see know if that it's out yet. <laughs> whoa <laughs> is that some alpha Lucas i've never that. heard Lucas that Lucas said that he's working with North Face. Wow, that would be fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think what I'm saying is like these NFT projects are so focused on creating a new community 
when they don't need to do that, the market is there. They need to find ways to tap into communities that already exist and draw them in. Um, and I have my own example of that. It's just an idea that I have. So NFTs, NFTs on a general trend have failed horribly to include women. Women are not in this space. I can say that from personal experience. When I'm researching NFTs, when I'm watching YouTube videos, it's some guy being like, hey, bro, what's up? This is the alpha today. Like, let's get it, guys. Fine. That's fine for me because I'm, I'm learning and I'm happy to learn in whatever way it is. But that's not inclusive of women on a general trend. The language, the culture, it's so male dominated. It's not inviting to women. And I think if you think about women as consumers, um, Bloomberg magazine did a research study and they came out with the finding that women account for 70 to 80% of all consumer purchasing decisions. Women dictate consumption markets. Like this is what NFTs are failing at doing is that there's a huge consumer market here that is women and no one is paying attention to them. Sure, there's a world of women that was hugely successful, but that's the exception, not the rule. And I had this idea. Well, let me back up. We know that women, when it comes to investing, are smarter investors than men because they're more risk averse. They need to see the value and the utility before they jump into an investment. NFTs bring utility and value, but they haven't been tapped into the utility and value that they can actually bring. So I had this example pop up in my head. Um, there's this makeup brand called Charlotte Tilbury, okay? They have a huge cult following. It's one of the most famous makeup lines. It's a multi-million billion dollar industry and they have a consumer base. I'm one of them. Like whenever Charlotte Tilbury drops something, I run to Sephora or Alta or go online to buy it. And almost always it's sold out. I have not been able to get my hands on it, okay? If Charlotte Tilbury dropped an NFT, they dropped 10K NFT project. People are so focused on the NFT JPEG art. This project would be focused on the utility. So sure, you maybe buy a JPEG of Charlotte Tilbury's like design or art, but that's not what you're really buying. You're buying the contract on the back end of that JPEG. And what that contract does, it can allow you to have exclusive access to their next makeup line drop. So instead of hopping online right when it drops or running to the store, both a huge inconvenience of your time, you buy this NFT, you have exclusive access to the drop, so you're not worried about being the first to get it before it sells out, and you're empowered to resell it whenever you don't want it. You resell it, you make money, and Charlotte Tilbury makes a royalty off of that resale. It's a win-win for everybody. So I think the future of NFTs really needs to tap into problems that exist in web two and how web three can solve those problems for those consumers instead of creating new markets. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think one of the biggest things right now that I see as well in the space as a whole, like crypto as a whole, is that every company coming in is trying to build for themselves and themselves only and try to separate themselves, obviously, from the herd instead of trying to build with other existing companies, brands, and opportunities and how can we solve this problem better right or how can we make this specific aspect of our business or industry better instead of trying to recreate and repurpose the whole industry as a whole and i think that's what we're seeing right now 
that leads us honestly to this next thing, right? So I'm sure you've seen the doc. I did a little bit more digging on some cool NFT projects slash what could possibly be the next meta, right? What could possibly be the next utility or next big thing that's going to happen in NFT crypto world? And I think one of the main things that I'm starting to see a lot of is obviously big hedge funds and VCs coming into the space, right? Institutions coming into the space is obviously healthy, but it's also but it also has its pros and cons. Uh, right now, what I am seeing is obviously VCs investing into actual NFTs or using NFTs as some type of access into a fund. So think about it this way, right? Hedge funds, a new way to run hedge funds could be this, right? Instead of you having to be an accredited investor and have $100,000 in the bank and so on and so forth, what you could do is you can launch an NFT, have people pay X amount of dollars, let's say one ETH, right? You do 10,000, that's 300K if ETH is at 3,000. Now you have $300,000 to do whatever you want with as a fund. Or you can turn that into something that's called a DAO, right? Where people who hold that NFT can make a decision on what happens with the money and what investment opportunities they want to do. In that thought process, I found this project called Nouns, okay? Nouns is a project that's been out for quite a while, but they are executing this so good and so well that I cannot believe it has not been uh, like promoted way better than this, or I can't believe it hasn't exploded to what it should be right now. The way I found uh, now is obviously just doing some research, came across this one fund called One Confirmation. Okay, this fund's been around for quite a while. It has over a billion dollars worth of assets. They've invested in some big companies like obviously Coinbase, OpenSea, an exchange called DYDX. So it's not like these guys are rookies or just came on the block, right? The founder came out and said, hey, we are allocating $100 million, right, towards NFTs only or anything in the NFT industry to go ahead and invest in. And the first thing they're getting exposed to with that $100 million was two projects, CryptoPunks and Nouns. Not Board Ape, not Doodles, not CloneXes, CryptoPunks and Nouns. And I'm like, hmm, this is really interesting. So I go check out Nouns, obviously. And Nouns is a project that releases one NFT every single day for the rest of life, right? Until somebody hacks it and does otherwise. Each NFT is auctioned off every 24 hours. And people are buying these NFTs from upward 50 to 100 ETH. This last one just sold for 127 ETH. And what this does is there's two ways for you as an investor to make money or gain authority. Number one is I believe you get 10% of supply. So the all the holders get paid passively. 10% of what is generated from the supply for the first five years, right? That's one way. The second way is you as a nouner slash noun holder, obviously you've invested a lot of money into the NFT, so it's only right it pays you back somehow, is obviously it holds its value. But two is you get to vote, right, on what projects slash companies you want to fund with the treasury. And take a guess how much their treasury has. 10 million? <laughs> $32 million at current ETH prices right now. It was at 86 before. What is Nouns doing that other projects aren't? Literally everything. 
everything they're doing is new and different from any other NFT project you've seen. I'm going to do a quick comparison for you. So the typical NFT project like Bored Apes, you'll see a 10K collection drop. So they drop 10,000 NFTs at once. You mint it. And that's where you make most of the money is that first mint. You make royalties and whatever, so on. But the first drop is where the real money is. Okay. Nouns, they do one drop every day until infinity so as soon as the auction goes up for the first one and someone auctions and they settle that auction that automatically triggers the next one to go on sale what does that mean you have an infinite supply of money there's always money coming into the business that's fucking genius second thing they're doing is the art so people with pfp projects it's pre-generated art you mint it and based on how rare it is, you get more or less money um, if you want to resell it. This is randomized art. So every single one is unique and there's no rarity score, right? So you get rid of that. And then this is decentralized. Nouns are decentralized. They have a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization. So one noun is one vote. There's no roadmap because the DAO is what's determining the next move for this project, what they're going to invest in, what the next cool thing they're going to do is. It's totally democratized. So in every single way, the way that nouns function is entirely different to what we're used to seeing. And that's what makes an NFT project big. Are they the first to be doing something? Are they bringing the first new thing to the market? That's what makes an NFT project go from a good one to a blue chip. And I think that's where Nouns is headed. I mean, they've been around for a year and auctions are still going very strong every single day. It's a great sign. Um, and they also had, the DAO recently just voted on this project called Moonbeans. So, <laughs> so instead of just being this NFT project on the blockchain and just being totally online, they've created a product that can go into supermarkets. So they've collaborated with another very well-known brand in the food industry. They've created this entire collaboration around baked beans, which is fucking insane. But basically the beans are going to be uh, marketed around nouns. Each can will have its own noun and every sale will have a 20% royalty that goes to the DAO. So it's it's just another source of income for them. They're diversifying the project. They're going outside of the online space into a physical space. And I think that's revolutionary and other projects should be doing this too. I know Bored Ape has something similar if you want to Yeah, talk about for sure. It. And just to kind of touch on that, this is what I think the two biggest plays and NFTs are going to be is companies or people who have IP and give IP and then two companies who can execute proper DAO slash funds to actually build out other projects within that same ecosystem. And again, we see that with nouns, right? They have a DAO, they raised a lot of capital and now people who actually put that capital into the pool can make decisions on what they want to do with it and in return get paid uh, back a royalty, right? Another thing, obviously, I did come across is uh, a friend that I met in NFT NYC, Andrew. So Andrew has been in the beverage slash distribution business for quite a long time right now. They just released or they're working on releasing this new company called Ape 
beverages. Okay, ape beverages is pretty much a play off of, let's say, board ape and the word ape in terms of people in crypto like to do one thing, and it's either degen or ape, and they both have the same meaning, right? So what they're doing is they're allowing people who own specific IPs in the NFT space, let's say board ape, is go ahead, put your uh go ahead put your nft on our cans on our drinks on our beverages and obviously get paid for its likability so think about it this way board ape has built a multi-billion dollar corporation off the name when people see the logo or see an actual ape they usually look out of it so let's say me as a board ape holder right i can go ahead and give andrew and ape beverages my board ape and say hey you can go ahead and put this on your beverages and pay me a royalty back and that's exactly what they're doing right they're allowing people who own specific ips to use that ip for its recognition and likability earn royalty and still be able to build a consumer product and a consumer good that can go ahead and deliver to the masses and still produce revenue and profits which obviously that's what business is all about yeah and in a larger picture sense I think what people don't understand is, yes, you're paying money to buy an NFT as opposed to Instagram where you're using it for free, but it's not actually for free. You are the product. When you're using a service like Instagram or Facebook, you're the product. Every time you go on Instagram, they're using your data to advertise things to you, to make you buy something off of Instagram. They are making money off of you. And what NFTs are doing is changing that culture entirely. It's re-empowering the consumer. It's giving you value. It's giving you power to make money off of something that you have interest in, that you've done your research in, that you like. And Instagram could never do that. Like, I, if I post something on Instagram and someone wanted to use that for their ad, they could, according to Instagram copyright, copyright rights copyright contracts yeah yeah i mean again web3 is inevitable and if you're watching this you know right now you are being used as a consumer and a consumer only anything you do on the internet on any type of browser your phone is being recorded and actually used against you as data to make you spend more time or money on things that you like based off that behavior right what web3 has the opportunity to do is allow you as the consumer to actually become the asset in terms of you own your own data you own your own information and you can do with that information what you want for the rest of your life on the internet and i think that is the click factor for me for everybody else to understand that okay this is what this technology can accomplish for us right it's not about the nfts it's not about the coin, obviously. It's not about the new currency or being a hedge. It's about what does this technology, right? What is this cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, right? DeFi technology, because that's what it is, right? Do for us as consumers. And that is the capabilities and possibilities. And they're so endless. And that's why I think long-term you should be bullish on it. Okay, so here's another thing I found. Logan Paul, I'm sure you heard of him, right? He launched this place called Illiquid Marketplace a few months ago. I think it's been out for quite a while. I fucking hate the way they're marketing it. And I hate that Logan Paul is the actual person who did it. Here's why. Logan Paul is great. I love his content. Obviously, I've been watching it for a lot. There's a lot to learn from him. 
But I think this idea is so cool that it can be executed so much more better. Okay, so a liquid marketplace is a place where you can go ahead and fractionalize any asset or collectible that you own in order to bring liquidity in it and allow other people with not as much money to obviously invest it. For example, I have, okay, Cool Cats NFT, let's just say, right? It's worth five ETH, right? Right now it's $5,000. So let's say you wanted to go ahead and invest into my cool cat because my specific NFT cat, right, has an IP that I licensed out, let's say, to do cat food, right? And that cat food is selling crazy, right? What you can do on a liquid marketplace is you can invest into my IP or into my collectible with a fraction, 10 fractions, 100 fractions, and pretty much buy a percentage of my NFT. A liquid marketplace verifies that. Obviously, they appraise it. They say, okay, here's how much it's really worth. And this is how much you would have to spend in order to own, let's say, X percentage of my NFT. And from there, you as a fractionalized owner can not necessarily determine what happens, right? Or have any type of voting rights, at least not yet. But you can still make money, right? And be a part of something that is more expensive and has a very high entry to barrier. And I love that idea, but I just think they're executing it so bad uh, and it could be done so much better because again, like just the idea of, okay, think about Bored Ape, right? Like imagine instead of owning a Bored Ape, I wanted to invest into somebody else's, like the Bored and Hungry one, right? So Bored and Hungry, obviously the restaurant in California, they own a Bored Ape. What did they do? They opened up a restaurant called Bored and Hungry. So for me, let's say I wanted to invest into that franchise, right? Or into that it person. It shut down though. No, no, it didn't. That's cap. <laughs> no, it cap. did. Yo, you cannot believe everything you see on the internet. Literally, the owners went ahead and tweeted. They're like, yo, this is literally just marketing. Like, this is not a real article. Why would a cryptocurrency-based restaurant stop taking cryptocurrency? That's so stupid. <laughs> that makes no sense. And that just goes to show that, like, it's so easy for people to fucking literally take anything they see online and be like, oh, but here's what I've seen. Oh, here it was. Here's yeah. what was but I said. think it's a good thing. Like whether you have good press or bad press, your name's being circulated, and that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, just think about this, right? As somebody, like, if you're looking to come into this space and you want to improve on a topic that's already out there, on an idea that already has proof of concept, it would be this, right? How can you find a way to allow? the masses to invest into something that is very expensive, right? That can pay them a return with a small investment in a sense. So think about hedge fund or think about franchise, think about stocks, right? McDonald's stocks, Wendy's stocks, Chick-fil-A, but think about that for actual NFTs and collectibles. And that concept right there actually blows my mind because there's just so much possibilities to do with it. It's crazy. I agree, but I wonder, like, is that patented or copyrighted? What's going to stop places like OpenSea and Magic Eden from taking that and doing that on their own platform? It's not their target. It's not what they want to do. Here's the thing, at least from what I see, right? Like, when you look at OpenSea, the reason why they wouldn't do something like this is because it's not their main thing. Like, their main thing is being a marketplace for NFTs. And if they steer off of that, then they're going to lose that market cap and that market gain that they have into being a marketplace into somebody else like, let's say, it looks rare. 
right? So that's why they need to continue improving their product and how can I make trading, buying and selling NFTs easier, simpler, safer for people instead of thinking, okay, how can I actually go ahead and roll in more opportunities for people to invest in NFTs, right? Because at the end of the day, it still has so many problems. No, I don't agree with that because it could just be as easy as like, do you want to buy this NFT or do you want to make an offer for a share on this NFT? That simplifies instead of going to a whole other platform to do that, just centralize it into one place so that people don't have to be clicking back and forth, looking at OpenSea, looking at Liquid Marketplace. Like it makes it easier for the consumer because they have more options. Yeah, that's a good point. But again, like the way I see it right now, like OpenSea in itself is not safe. And look how many hacks are happening. So imagine that NFT gets hacked and you own 10% of it and that 10% is gone with the new hacker. Then what? Is OpenSea responsible for that? That's why you need something like a third party marketplace, like let's say a liquid marketplace to say, hey, here's the asset, here's where it is. We hold it, we store it, we make sure it's safe and it's appraised. And then obviously with that, you can go ahead and liquid or sell shares of it. So speaking of hackers, um, Mo, can you guess the number one way people lose money in crypto? And I'll give you three options. You tell me which one you think it is. Okay, is it, people forgetting their seed phrase, so their secret password, are they forgetting those 15 words? Is their wallet getting hacked or are they falling for a scam? Uh, their wallet getting hacked? No, it's actually falling for a scam. So, <laughs> so I did some research um, and um, Money Magazine came out with these statistics. They said, People are losing their crypto by falling for a scam. And even more specifically, it's a scam that they encountered on social media. Instagram took up the largest percentage at 40% of those scams. So let me put this into perspective on how that happens. So you're an NFT holder. Let's say Bored Ape. This happened to Bored Ape a couple weeks ago. You are a holder and you're following what they're doing on Discord. Their Discord got hacked. And on Discord, they released a link saying, we're giving out free virtual land. Just click on this link and connect your wallet. So they're playing on people's emotions. This is a smart hack. Like we all know to be the best and do well in NFTs is by being early, by being the first. So if you see free land being given out by Bored Ape, obviously you're excited and you want to hop onto that immediately. So people are clicking this bad link. They don't know it's a bad link because it's coming from the Bored Ape account. They could connect their wallet and immediately everything gets wiped out of their wallet, right? So actually what happened was they, they hacked 200 ETH out of people's wallets. So that's $360,000 at that time was hacked. And I think these hackers are getting really smart because if you looked at the link, it looked like a legit website. There was no red flags on the website to be like, wait, this might look a little fake or this is iffy. There was no red flags going off. So these hackers are getting smart and to become smarter as a consumer, you need to verify information through multiple platforms before you go ahead and do something. So if you see Discord, Board Ape Discord is sending out a link for something they're giving out, check their Instagram, check their website check their Twitter, verify it before you go ahead. This is where do your own research is so important because if your main account can get hacked, you're fucked. Like you are fucked. You better have other outlets where you can alert people and say, this is fake. Don't click on this. 
et cetera. So people have to kind of have their emotions in check as investors. And just because you're excited about something doesn't mean you should run and do it. You need to check first. What do you think in terms of opportunity, right? What are the best skill sets to try and learn right now in order to help you make money in the crypto space for the next five to 10 years? Uh, in the crypto space, let's get more specific. I want to talk about NFTs in the NFT space. Um, so there's obviously the marketing and consumer behavior side of it, how to attract attention to your product, how to develop a community around it, that there's something to be said about that. But there's also something to be said about the tech side of it. So user design is going to be a huge skill set. It already is for Web2. Like there are resources out there right now to be a Web2 user designer. You should apply that into Web3. How can you make Web3 sleeker, more accessible, like make more sense to the consumer on the front end when they're interfacing with that product? I think that's going to be a huge opportunity for people and you can buy a course on that online right now learn from home all you need is a laptop like these skill sets are completely learnable and there's a huge opportunity right now because there's not many people in web3 to begin with there's even fewer with that skill set so if you just invest in a course you're already ahead of 95 percent of people and that's a skill set that will make you money so if you don't want to invest in a project why don't you learn about how it's developed and how it can be better? I'll tell you mine. I think the two biggest needs in the space right now, and I think that are very high paying skill sets over the next five years, and they already are, right, are going to be UI and UX design, right, which is front interface, kind of like what you said, and actual developers. Like, let's take a quick history trip, right? Think about eight to 10 years ago, right? As the e-commerce industry boomed, what are the skill sets that became the highest, the most high demand, right? Photography, right? Marketing, obviously, and human behavior in terms of knowing how to market special, special products, right? That same opportunity is redesigning itself and reopening itself now. For e-commerce, you have to be a photographer in real life and know how to shoot products, take lifestyle pictures, video, so on and so forth, in order to what? to make that product make look the the best in the best shape possible in order for somebody like me to buy it online. Now that opportunity isn't about shooting it necessarily because it's all digital projects or digital pro products. It's more about how can I design things in an appealing way that allows people to interact and want to purchase my product. And that's why I think the skill set of online design or just design in general with UI and UX and understanding how to put an experience together online is going to be a very high valuable skill set because you can already see it right now. A lot of the projects that come out, whether it's cryptocurrencies or like DeFi or even apps, they have such a shitty interface where nobody even wants to use it because you can even tell how, like, where do I go from here? Right. Which is pretty mind boggling to me. And the next thing would actually be development, right? Like development. If you see the amount of issues that happen right now with, like <laughs> pools and like top coins getting hacked and money stolen, right? You see NFT contracts being exploited, right? You see these big errors that happen in the space over and over again. That goes to show that all the developers in the space are still beginners and that's normal, but that also shows that there's so much opportunity for you to come in, learn how to code, learn how to do solidity, solidity uh, coding and development 
and be like, you know what, this is a skill set that can pay me for the next five, 10 years. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And like, let's put it into perspective. What are NFT doubters saying? They're like, oh, this is a fucking monkey. It's stupid. Or like, this is this is a stupid picture. That's a great opportunity for artists, people with visions to come in and be like, okay, this is my vision. This is what my design is. This is what I think would work. That's a great opportunity. If, if an image gives you a reaction, whether it's good or bad, overall, it means that that project's going to do well. If it's like, hmm, whatever, scroll next, it's not going to do well. So it's a great opportunity for creatives to come in and design something visually appealing. Like if you're a hater of a project, maybe you have a better idea. Go design it. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I think that opportunity obviously within itself is money making. So for anybody watching this video, go ahead and learn a skill set. Learn a skill set that is going to be used or gonna be in high demand for the next five to 10 years. And you will most likely make a lot more money than anybody else in that specific category because you're so early learning it and you'll be looked at as an OG or an early adopter. Um, yeah, one more thing I actually talk about, and then we could probably wrap this up, is ENS domains. Have you looked into it at all since last time? <laughs> She's like, no. Uh, I did do a little bit of digging, obviously, and I follow this one page called uh, ENS Sniper Bot, I believe it's called, or ENS Bot, Sales Bot. Yeah, ENS Sales Bot. Okay, so last episode, if you guys didn't watch that, we had somebody called Hydrate.eth hop on and say, hey guys, I flip ENS domains and ENS domains are possibly the next big thing in crypto uh, as if it's internet domains, right? Like imagine you owned UFC.com or McDonald's or I like gummies or whatever, like these basic one word NFTs or like these phrases, uh, not NFTs, websites, right? Obviously people pay a lot of money for those things. So ENS domains are pretty much doing the same thing right now, but they're cooler in a sense because they just make transacting in Web3 a lot simpler. And what he did say, what he said, it is coming truth. Like I've been seeing a lot of Arabic numeral domains getting registered. And one proof, obviously, of why there is a lot of opportunity is if you take a look at English, right? Like the regular numbers, anything with two, three, four, or even five numbers right now in a domain is actually selling for probably above six to $700 while you could have minted it or bought it for $50 at start. The same thing is happening right now with Arabic domains, right? Arabic, again, one of the biggest languages and cultures in the world, right? Just like English or Spanish even is, right? People are catching on. They're starting to register street names, company names, countries and numbers. And I really think there's a huge opportunity uh, where we can possibly even go ahead and do one ourselves, whether it's now or later, and, and show people how to do it. Yeah, we should. We should. I think it's easy money too. Like, it, you don't have to research a community. You don't have to join a Discord. You don't have to look at their Twitter. You don't have to look at the engagement. All you have to do is think about what companies are big or what numbers, what words, keywords, buzzwords, what's going to be attractive to another person to buy off of you. It's that simple. Like, 777 i know that was a big one for arab for the arabic ens domains like because that's like a lucky number it's a holy number like literally three sevens back to back could make you a thousand dollars stupid money stupid money 
Uh, all right, cool. I think this was a good episode. We talked about a few cool topics. I see you getting worn out, Parisa, so we'll wrap this up. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Let us know in the comments what you want us to talk about, any interesting topics you guys see that you want to talk, uh, that you want us to talk about. Feel free to drop it in the comments, reply to our emails, and make sure you subscribe to us, uh, seedphrase.us. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, seedphrase daily, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.